Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Reality TV Rehap Ups for Season 7 of The Amazing Race Canada. Next week, it's already Canada Day. Who saw that coming? Uh, and with Canada Day, traditionally comes the premiere of new season of Amazing Race Canada. And here to break down everybody that we are going to see in the cast, the one and only Dan Heaton. Dan, how are you? I'm good. I can't believe we're at season seven already. This is a crazy thing. And this is our fifth season podcasting. I was thinking of this the other day. How did it happen, Jess? How did it go so fast? Time flies when you're having fun, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm just think it's great that the show is still going so strong. And I I'm pretty pretty high hopes we're going to be doing this for a little while, judging by just how well the ratings are. So this is this is really fun. Yeah. I mean, Canada loves them some amazing race. And that's always been the case, I think, pretty much since the U.S. version debuted. But they've managed to put out such a great product year after year that they've really I I mean, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that they've improved on the U.S. version. And we have been at this so long that I think this is something we're probably going to talk about very, very soon into our cast preview. But we've been at this so long that we're now at a point where we can have genuine nostalgia for things that happened on The Amazing Race Canada. I know it's crazy. And that that's obviously going to be a big part of the theme this season. But I, to to your point about the show just doing great things, I think we're starting to see the influence of the Amazing Race Canada on the U.S. version. There were a few legs recently on that show that felt like Amazing Race Canada legs. They had extra tasks. They had memorization. They had all these things. They had like a I don't want to go too too much, but they had things where I could picture John testing the task. I think Canada is having a good influence on the U.S. show, and that that can't be a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, we we've even seen Phil testing out a couple of the tasks, which I think he never did before. It's like he's looking over at that redheaded dude up north, and he's like, "I got to step up my game." Yeah, it's going to be tough because you know doing like one legged skiing and jumping off of mountains and stuff. It's John sets a high bar and I'm excited again to see what he's going to do this season. Yeah, I mean, he he always brings it. I I love John and I love this show beyond all reason, Dan. So I have heard that there is a theme, but the theme feels a little bit like it's not quite coming together for me this season. So I know you did a little bit of research coming into the season. Can you tell me something about what this theme is supposed to be? Well, so this season, I don't believe has like a colon like Heroes Edition. <laughs> this is not Amazing Race colon or Amazing Race Canada colon, but I did notice a theme in a lot of, I read some press releases and other articles, and a, there were statements that often said, this season is all about second chances. And of course, the biggest second chance is, of course, coming for Jet and Dave, who we'll talk about more in a bit, but who were voted in. And that obviously kind of sets up the theme. But you have some teams that have gone through some challenges in life, like, you know, they either lost a parent as they were younger or they broke their neck or they had, you know, tore both hips while training for the Olympics. There's a lot of things that were challenges. Some of the teams, it feels a little more like a stretch, like they didn't really push that angle. But then other teams, I think it makes more sense where I think as much, I wouldn't even call it, they call it second chances, but that makes me think a little bit too much about Survivor or about Unfinished Business. To me, I think about a lot of these teams, it's like the theme is more resilience or overcoming obstacles and such. And I know Amazing Race colon overcoming obstacles does not have the same ring to it, but there's a lot of that. And I suspect we're going to hear a lot of stories about certain teams and what they've overcome during the season. 
it's like when we would get that montage at the beginning of an episode where we see a team talking about their hardships and it's like, well, one of two things is happening. Either that team is winning or that team is getting eliminated this week. Yeah, and they've gotten a little better at that. And I, But I suspect that we will see a lot of those types of stories. And a lot of them, I mean, reading the bios of some of these teams, I don't mean to make light of it and talk to us about the theme. Some of them have really interesting stories and really cool stories. So I'm excited to get to learn more about these teams, especially if they're only being 10 teams. This There's a situation where we should get to know them pretty quickly and... It should be a lot of fun because as we normally see, the biographical information we're going to go by today is fairly limited. So we're going to make some assumptions that, in my case, will almost certainly be wrong. I don't know, Dan. You picked the winner last year. Yes, I did pick the winner. And there was a moment last year in the premiere where my four of my five teams were on a quadruple split screen, all racing for the last place pit stop in last <laughs> year's premiere, including the team that won. So, yes, I picked the winner and I and I also picked the winner two years before and I feel good about that, too. But the rest of my team or drafting choices were not good. So this year I've done the extra hard work in order to make sure that I can represent well and honor Canada with my choices. Well, it would be hard for you to do worse than you did on Amazing Race US. So, yes. It's hopefully not going to be a race to the bottom for you again. Uh, and I don't mean to make light of your bad drafting, Dan, but I, I'm excited to see you employ a new strategy coming in here. And uh, we'll see if we can make this season even more interesting, even though there are only about three people out there listening to this who care at all about our team draft. It's only really a useful exercise to get us talking about these teams. Yeah, yeah. And before we get to that, I did want to mention, too, um, I, I briefly talked about the fact that this is the first season with a returning team. But it's a bit odd because there's only one returning team, which I mentioned was Jet and Dave. And we had we talked to Dave on the podcast a few months ago when they were doing the vote against Frankie and Amy and Brennan and Sean. And it's I think it's really cool to see Jet and Dave back. And we'll talk about them more specifically when we do our draft. But what do you think about the idea of having one team with nine new ones? How does that sit with you this season? Well, this is a really interesting way to do it, because I think we're coming off of an Amazing Race U.S. season where half of the teams had run the Amazing Race before and the other half were scrubs from other arenas in the CBS world. And we saw how well that worked out. We had one team of big brother people that were very, very good and went very far. And then we had all of the first teams that were eliminated, one non-amazing race team after another, well into the race. And it felt like teams that had raced before, not only were they exceptionally strong teams who had been cast for this role, they had the advantage of having done it before and they knew a lot of the little tiny tricks and they just knew what the rhythms of the day were like. And I think you cannot discount what kind of advantage that gives somebody. I, I mean, Jet and Dave are not perfect racers by any stretch and they were certainly capable of making mistakes but they were a strong team the first time out and i have to imagine that a strong team who has raced before has a huge leg up like a huge very buff very toned leg up on the competition yeah i agree i wonder the only thing that you know we mentioned the u.s version and there was one amazing race team that did very poorly but i look at this and because they stand out, and I'm sure that on the mat, John's going to say, 
hey, everybody, look at this team that's come in and, and everyone's going to go, whoa, and half the team won't know who they are. But um, <laughs> basically, they are, they're going to have, I don't think they're going to go out super early, but I just think there could be an interesting situation where teams say, like we saw even in the recent Survivor season, we can't let them win. Even though they didn't win before, we can't. And I don't think that's going to happen in leg one. But because they're on their own like that, I think there's going to be a bit of an onus on them to kind of make people forget that they played before and that it might actually benefit Jet and Dave to start out kind of slowly, given that the, the target or focus is the first leg. They'll probably have like 20 confessionals or something or, you know, they'll be all over the place to talk through. And I mean, just because of who they are, I don't know. I don't know much about any of the rest of these people yet, but all I have in my notes for Jet and Dave, it just says, I mean, come on, they're Jet and Dave. (laughs) Pretty much. That's all you can do. I wrote they wrote some ridiculous answers. I know we're jumping ahead in their biographies and such. So really, none of that really helps anyway. We kind of know who they are. Yeah. Yeah, we do. But I think. We should save all the rest of our Jet and Dave talk for when they go in the draft, which I would assume has to be fairly early on. Um, But I'm going to award myself with first draft pick this year because you won last year. All right. This is exciting for me. I'm very curious. On the other hand, we're doing it snake draft style. So I guess I think what we've done in the past, um, and usually, Dan, you're the one who picks first on these things. So... I think what we usually do is give the person who came in last place the option of um, going first or going second and picking twice. But I'm just going to go ahead and go first. I think that's good. Let's let's mix it up. Yeah, I think we'll mix it up. And uh, it's weird to award myself things um, for basically I had the same winner pick you did. You just got to them first in the draft. Um, (laughs) But I feel like we're in the same situation this year. The temptation is really great for me to just grab Jet and Dave off the board right now, because I have a feeling if I don't, you're just going to snap them up next. (laughs) I had the same feeling, actually. (laughs) So go ahead. Yeah, but I also feel like as with, I think, every previous year of Amazing Race Canada, going back to season three, there's a team that jumps out at me and I'm like, yeah, these guys are going to win. And it turns out I've been right about that for four years in a row. and. I feel like I need to trust my gut here and just grab this team and have them be my first pick right out of the gate. So I'm going to skip over Jet and Dave, and I imagine we'll be talking about them in about five minutes. But my first pick for Team Jess, I'm going with the Team Canada Olympic teammates, Sam and Sarah. If I had a bell right now, I would hit it because um, they I had them and Jet and Dave at like 1A and 1B because I couldn't figure out if I wanted to go sentimental or with the team that's probably going to win. And you pick the team that I think is probably going to win, especially compared to the rest of the teams. I mean, they just stand out. They're like they stand out even as much or more than Gino and Jesse did in season three. But I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on this team. We have seen Olympic athletes on this program in the past. And they have done very well. In fact, it was just kind of a fluke that we didn't see Megan and Natalie win the entire thing. Um, They basically won every single other thing except the one thing. And I think being a competitive athlete prepares you for the intensity of the race. And certainly with the challenges being as hard as they are, typically in Amazing Race Canada, you can't discount that. And I think there's kind of a... There's a quality that the two of these have that this team has that I think is something we've talked about a lot in the past, 
I feel like they don't actually have much of a relationship here. And I think that is a strength. I think historically that's always been a strength. Even going back to Amazing Race US with Eric and Danielle, who barely knew each other, pretended to date so that they could go back on the show. The fact that you don't have that kind of rich history, I think the two of these, these two are definitely friends with each other, but I think they, they do not give off the vibe that they are any kind of like soulmates or that they feel like they are each other's family. And I think if you are not that close to somebody, any conflict you have with them kind of rolls off your back. And I think that helps you a lot when you're in a stressful situation. So what I am expecting to see out of these two is I'm going to see a competitive drive and I'm going to see them not getting embroiled in the kind of drama that other teams might. Yeah. And the the big comparison for me was, again, Amazing Race US season 30. There was a team of professional skiers, mm-hmm. Christy and Jen, who really didn't know each other. And it was part of their story that they didn't know each other. I think Sarah and Sam know each other better than that team. And that team ended up being very close to winning. They were never below like fourth place or something the whole time. They were so consistent because they were good enough athletes and were adjusted well enough that they could do almost anything. And I know Sam and Sarah have both had serious injuries in the past, but they're still training for the 2020 Olympics. She actually was in the Olympics. He's been very close and they're they're that right age for doing well on this show, too. I feel like when you're looking at teams that are athletic, if they're 21, you can go, well, but when they're 29 and 30, to me, that's just like the right age for a team to basically have have enough life experience be, be enough chill. They're, they're, like you said, they're not in a relationship, so there's not all those other factors where they're going to have these big fights. I think they'll both be supportive, and I think they're going to do fine. I mean, I don't know. What's your take on? They seem like fun people, so I don't really put them in the boring team <laughs> kind of you know area, which does well. I think they're going to have fun, and they both also do a lot of public speaking, and she has her own like be it's called the Believe Initiative, which they're both really involved with mentoring and such, which I know is um, something we saw a lot with um, with Dylan and Kwame last season, who were also athletes who did a lot of mentoring. And I think they're both going to be really comfortable on camera, which will help, too. Yeah, I, th- I don't think they're going to be hard to watch by any means. Um, and I would guess they probably have a pretty good sense of humor. They seem like kind of people that can roll with punches. So I feel like anything this race throws at them, they're going to be pretty much ready for. Um, The only thing they say they're going to have trouble with is eating bugs, which that kind of opens up a new can of worms, as it were, Uh, because I don't know exactly how much of this show either of them has watched. So that could be a problem. They may have been recruited in some fashion to go on the show and they may not be like day one super fans. That doesn't necessarily exclude them from doing well. In fact, I think sometimes getting too caught up in like the super fanness of it all can kind of screw your game up. But the fact that they just kind of go straight to eating bugs like, oh, this is the show where people eat gross things. I I feel like maybe that could hold could hold them up a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. There's there was a bunch of videos on Twitter which were kind of painful to watch on the Amazing Race Canada Twitter page where everyone was watching scenes from last season yep. and stuff. 
And you could tell the ones that actually had seen last season were like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's Martina. And a lot of them, it was like the first time they'd ever seen all these moments. So I don't want to pick on Sarah and Sam, but I think they, they like many of the teams were like, oh, that looks rough or whatever. And I'm like, this is like people like the puking from last season. It's very <laughs> famous. I mean, who knows? These are edited weird. They could be they could have cut the two minutes when the teams were saying it. But that's like a through line with a lot of these teams where it's really hard to tell. But personally, I always seem to pick the super fan teams and they always do terribly. So and, they're, you know, so I sometimes like we've seen teams kind of when they're not so invested, like they want to win. They want the money, they whatever. They tend to be above it all a bit and they don't get so like just paralyzed by the fandom, if you will. Sort of like the social media season. Yeah, basically you just a lot of those teams, some of the ones that did well, just um, it was just like, oh, this is easy. We're just having fun. We're on the camera. We're good. Another day at the office. Yeah, basically. So um, but I'm excited to see this team that I it would have been very hard for me to decide what to do. But I will say that. If you hadn't, they would have been one of the two picks I would have picked. All right. So with that, Dan, who's your first pick? Well, see, here's the story. I I already know who I was going to pick here. I don't know who I'm going to pick after this one. So we'll just let's just get Jen Dave out of the way. All so right. Let's just do that. Because that one, I cannot for the life of me let them go by because one, I think they are going to do well. I don't think they're going to win. And it's not that I think there's five other teams that would win instead. For some reason, I feel like there's just so much in a way, even from the things like they talked in interviews where they said last time we just had fun and you could feel last time that they thought they were going to win, but they were just kind of like, this is fun. We're doing this. We're, we're having fun for the camera. We're dancing. We're doing everything. I think there's a chance even after we talk today, they may feel a little more pressure this time that that now they're coming back and they're the representative of all the past teams. Now, with all of that said, I don't think they're going to see it's not like they're going to turn into like, I don't know what the good comparison is, like mean Jeb and Jet and Dave or boring Jet and Dave. They're still going to be themselves. I mean, they can't help it. You can just tell. I mean, you look at their bio and it's like they ask they have really CTV. There are some really dumb questions in these bios, <laughs> but they ask which fictional characters are you most like? And they like, you know, Jet mentioned some um, Sister Mary Corrine from Sister Act 2. And Dave mentions Dexter because he's cool, calm, and murdery. I mean, <laughs> Jet's strength is penmanship. I mean, you could just go on and on. The point is, they're not taking, if they were taking it really seriously, they would not have these answers. They're still themselves. And even though they're a bit older, I mean, 40 and 35. I mean, they seem to be, in, especially Jed is in shape. Dave did mention that he had to tr- start training pretty quickly. But, you know, I think they may, early on, they're probably going to be in the middle of the pack and then they'll make a run and then we'll see. But for me, with the season one nostalgia, I look at them and I'm like, you know, I got to pick these guys. I, um, especially after just watching an old school U.S. team win. I hate to spoil it for anyone if they haven't seen it, but um. <laughs> It's just I I just really want to root for them and see them do well and one just enjoy watching them on the screen regardless of where they finish. Yeah, well, if I was going to cast someone to play Jet in a movie, I would definitely go to Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> of course, totally fits. Totally fits. But yeah, I mean, these guys are who they are. They're they're Jet and Dave, and I'm happy to see them back here. I know they're going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I think everything you're saying here is spot on, Dan. I I would guess they're going to come out. I could see them getting up in their own heads about their own legacy, and that could be a problem for them. Uh, 
just feeling the pressure of Canada voted you in. And now if you don't improve on your previous station, you have failed. I could see that getting to them quite a bit. But I also think they're not the kind of people that things get to them. So there's that as well. So I think they were a strong team their first time out, and they weren't even going, I think, 100% the whole time. So this time, if they do come and they bring 100%, I think it's a very solid pick, and I would not be surprised to see this team in the finals. Yeah, that is a good point, because it did seem like sometimes the show was so new in season one that almost I think they were just having so much fun being on this new show that you didn't get the sense that they were being super cutthroat or even ultra competitive until you got down to not even just the leg they were eliminated, but those few legs like basically from like final six on where all of a sudden it was like, okay, the obvious teams that are gone are gone. And I think we may see something like that here. Um, Yeah. I mean, you may see them drive out of the parking lot and go the wrong way right off the bat or something or or wherever they may struggle in the first 10 minutes, but I have a feeling we're going to be talking about them for a while. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, because I, I want to feel like the rehab bump meant something to the season. Definitely. You know, um, I, I I like to take a little credit because who knows? I mean, how many people voted? And this is nothing against the other teams. If those other teams were on, I'd be rooting for them, too. But just to see another team, especially, though, having a team from season one that we, you know, before we were podcasting together about this. I mean, it's, you know, six seasons later. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I didn't get to podcast about Amazing Race Canada. I mean, I wrote a blog about it, but I really feel like I was cheated of the opportunity to be able to talk about these guys on a podcast. And now I'm excited that I get to. Yeah, I hope given that I've now drafted them, I hope I have not jinxed them in the past with my pick here and that we will not be one of those situations where we're talking about them for a shorter time than I than then is hopefully going to happen for us. Wow, I really lost that sentence there. But I just want to say I'm excited. That's what I got. Yeah. I, I hope they don't rob an Amber 2.0 themselves out of the race. Yeah, that or or Art and JJ. Oh. Uh, All right. <laughs> All right. Next. This is impossible. Let me just tell you. There's like we've gotten through the top. We only had two. This should be like there's like four teams that I feel like are about the same equivalent abilities or skills and all for different reasons. So I'm sure that you have a very detailed power rankings where you will just laugh at whatever I choose here. But this one, I'm really struggling with this third pick. So, you know, I'm going to take a bit of a different route. I have noticed that siblings have done very well on this season in the last few years. We've had and, you know, you look at some of the examples like um, Taylor and Courtney last season, Phil and Martina last season. Um, There's been others, too, where. Adam and Andrea the year before. But the problem with me is figuring out which group of siblings is the right choice. Because so I'm going to go with the team that has more experience in front of a camera. They are sisters. They are Lauren and Joanne. I'm going to go with sisters, Lauren and Joanne, because, you know, some teams just and I don't know why I should never trust my instincts here. But you should watch their interviews and the way they act and stuff. And you get good vibes about them. They obviously are fairly young, 27 to 21. They seem to have a very good relationship. They seem to be very comfortable in front of the camera. They are Vine stars, or once Vine stars. I don't know how that works now. RIP Vine. Yeah, and this could be one of those picks where I could see them doing well, or I could see them, Dana and Amanda, Amanda-ing it right out in the first or second leg. But to me, I'm just looking at them, and I'm like, you know, I can see it. I can write the story 
of them hanging out and doing well on this race. Yeah, I could see it too, Dan. I think, well, I think we first have to start with, we, we need to talk about this vine. Um, yes. We did watch it in preparation for this podcast. And Dan, can you summarize the vine for us? Okay, so this video came out in 2015. And I will admit, in 2015, I did not see this video. I was not aware of it, but I have watched it now. It went viral. The video was, as you think of it now too, this was, you know, four years ago. So they were younger. And they were driving in a car, and basically, Joanne was eating a McFlurry, you know. And so, Lauren taps on the brakes, and then Joanne kind of stumbles, and the McFlurry kind of messes, like, you know, it's not a, and then it doesn't spill all over her face or anything. It doesn't spill all over her clothes. It just kind of stops, and she laughs. And that's the whole video. And that made them, to quote the Amazing Race bio, Vine Famous. Did I describe that accurately or am I underplaying it? You did describe it accurately, Dan, that you are not underplaying it at all. Canada is such a different country. (laughs) Yes. That's what passes for entertainment in Canada. I I mean, you guys have the Amazing Race Canada. You know what good viewing is. I I, I have to admit, I maybe I, I maybe we're just too old for this, Dan, but I don't I don't quite get it. Yeah, well, apparently they've done quite a few videos and I did not, I have not gone and watched a lot more of the videos. I probably should. But um, it's interesting because in a sense, you could say, well, what does this have to do with the race at all? Maybe not that much, but I don't get the impression, though, that they're going to freeze immediately and get totally freaked out by the cameras. Now, another thing I should note is that they are the first team from Saskatchewan to ever compete on the Amazing Race Canada. Can you believe it? That is wild. I mean, Saskatchewan looms so large in Amazing Race Canada lore. The the greatest leg to date was in Saskatchewan. And it just seems like, how did that, how has that not happened yet? I feel like we've gotten somebody from just about every other province. Yeah, that surprised me too. We've never gotten anybody from none of it, and we've never gotten anybody from Northwest Territories. But yeah, we need we need somebody from way up north next time. I mark that down, Amazing Race Canada. But yeah, that's that's kind of amazing. I guess um, I'm glad that Saskatchewan is getting some representation. I'm sure Scott St. Pierre is going to be super happy about that. I think we know who he's going to be rooting for. I think other things we should note about this team. Um, in my research, I discovered that they were uh, apparently competitive swimmers at some point. So if we see a water challenge this season, I think they've got that nailed. I thought it was a little strange. Um, their greatest fears do not spark inspiration um, here. I, they don't seem to have considered things that might happen on this show. <laughs> Although, on the other hand, I guess we did see challenges involving both the dark and birds last season. So if they get that falconry thing where they had to tie the knot and like have the falcon land on their arm, I hope that's a roadblock that Lauren takes because Joanne is afraid of birds. Oh, that's so funny. I forgot about that challenge last season that everyone was having such a hard time with. Um, that could have been a disaster. Yeah. And the dark, I mean, I don't think there's going to be something. We're not like, it's not like we're on the mole or something. <laughs> they're going to, you know, or something like that. I think they're going to be okay. But they also really love Brooklyn Nine-Nine, apparently, because not only do they mention when they're talking about fictional characters, Laura mentioned she's a mix of Boyle and Rosa. They also mentioned Peralta and Boyle in another video, which for a moment I was like, wait, are they were they on the show in the past? And I had to remember, oh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. But so apparently they really like that or they were just trying to be clever, um, which I like. I enjoy that. Their motto is also there are always muffins on the table. 
which I think I get what they mean, but that's, you know, it's an interesting motto. It's better than you got this. So we're doing good there. So, um, but yeah, I didn't even know they're competitive swimmers. That actually makes me think that in terms of like being an athlete, that could be an extra, extra benefit. So that could be good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping it, I'm hoping it works out for them. Uh, this all came from, uh, I was doing some digging in the contestant spoiler section of reality fan forum today to see if anybody had actually gotten any useful dirt on them since the CTV website was not particularly forthcoming, but that was about the best thing I dug up. Yeah. Also, they are two of the very few racers that seem to have a fairly sizable Twitter following, which I know that sounds like, well, why does that matter? But again, they're a little more. I mean, again, we're talking like 10,000 or something, which is not bad. That's a lot in Canada. Dan. Yeah. So I'm saying I, I I apologize to Lauren and Joanne if I undersold you there. It might be a little more than that, but I know it was something like that. But for Canada and even compared to a lot of past racers, that shows that they have been a little more out in public than a lot of the racers we've seen. I mean, OK, Brian Adams has 657,000 followers. So <laughs> what about the Beatnik bus? Are they ahead of that? Oh, wow. We haven't <laughs> looked in on the Beatnik bus in a while. In several years, <laughs> everyone who has not listened to us this long is like, what, what, what are they talking about? Oh my God. Somebody <laughs> needs to go follow the beatnik bus right now because they are sitting at 699 followers. Oh my gosh. They only have about half of what I have. This is, this is, a, this is bad. This well, is not good. <laughs> they have not tweeted since December, 2018. So there is that. Oh boy. All right. Well, I should probably, that's all I'm going to talk about with, with Joanne and Lauren. But, you know, this is one of those situations, like I said, where it's really hard to predict how a team's going to do, especially for me. But so you have to pick out things that seem to matter that might not, like, you know, a team being Air Force pilots that might not matter. But in this particular case, I feel like, that, you know, I could, I could see it happening. Yeah. Given what we have to go on, I think it's a fair pick. So. Are, are we done with them? Should I move on? Yeah, I think so. All I right. think so. We're back to Team Jess. All right. Back to Team Jess. And, you know, Dan, just as you were changing up your strategy uh, and trying something a little bit different with your picks this season, I think I'm going to do the same, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to just go purely on sentiment. And now that I've picked the team I think is going to win, I don't really have any skin in the game past that. So I'm going to go ahead and just pick the teams I want to see more of and teams I hope go far. So the team that I think I most want to know more about and the team that I want to see more of and hope they go very far. Uh, give me Anthony and James, the married couple from Edmonton. Good, good. Yeah, they actually were in that same group that I had with um with with Lauren and Joanne and another team. So I think that that's even. I think this is a great situation where you have a team that's I also would like to see do well and that might do well in the race, too. Yeah, I mean, they have, they really have everything going for them. Um, in addition to just being like, I'm, I'm so excited. This is a very diverse cast, and I'm really excited to see um, that we have a First Nations couple. We have a gay couple, and they are uh, in great shape. They're funny. They're articulate. They're smart. Um, Anthony has a Harvard degree, and James is a doctor, so we got that. Um, they seem very tenacious, and they got married while they were running a marathon. So that's crazy. Uh, and I just I just feel like there's a lot of upside to these two. I'm very excited to see where they go. And in the a few weeks ago, before they had announced the cast, but after I already knew who was in the cast, because uh, thank you, Reality Fan Forum. Uh, I did not look at order spoilers, but I am a total sucker for cast spoilers. I had been 
I had gotten their names off of Reality Fan Forum. And then somebody posted a video unrelated to anything Amazing Race Canada about the work that James does as a doctor. And he is very involved in... um in gender confirmation surgery and he works with people that are transgender and he does some really amazing work in his community and I was really impressed with this video that I saw and then I realized oh that's the same guy that's going to be on Amazing Race Canada <laughs> and so then I was like I'm going to root for these guys even more so I'm I'm really excited to see these guys they look like they're going to be they're going to be very interesting I think that I think I'm really going to get behind them and really be rooting for them yeah I'll be rooting for them too and reading about James's work too with confronting racism um, in the medical industry towards indigenous professionals. That was really interesting to me too. And just, you have this guy who's so accomplished and has done so much and I'm sure has encountered so many difficulties for, you know, just his background. And so I'd love to see them do well. And like you said, they have such an interesting story outside of the race, which all these teams do. But just given all of that, and then the fact that they are like ultra marathoners and basically could do well on the show. They're not somewhat a team that comes in with a great story that we're going to meet for an episode and go, oh, I really like them. And then they're gone. I don't think that's going to be the case. And finally, they also just seem like they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. They both, their interviews are very funny. They're one of the most um, charismatic teams that we have. And I think they've got the full package, like you mentioned, of all the things you want to see in a contestant on The Amazing Race in a team, and even a cool team motto, too. So you cannot go wrong. Yeah, you really can't. There is one piece of downside with this team that I think is worth mentioning, but we've also seen this mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme. Um, this team was recruited. They are not necessarily fans of the show. Uh, as soon as they found out that they had a shot at being on the show, they immediately started binge watching. I feel like they have gotten to know the show and they won't be coming in totally blind, but they haven't they haven't spent years steeped in it like some of these other teams might have. So that could be a problem or it could not be a problem at all. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. And I actually, it's hard to get a sense of how many cast members in the season are recruited because, and I hate to take too much from videos, but there's only a few teams where it seemed like they either talked about or really mentioned their fandom. And that is fine. This could be an amazing season regardless of whether or not they're recruited. I'm just finding it interesting that that could be the case this time, which might actually put most of the teams on more of a level playing field, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, last season, I think pretty much everybody was recruited too. So it could ultimately mean absolutely nothing about how well you're going to do on the show. Yeah. And um, is here's my question. And I apologize in advance for the butchering of the pronunciation here. But is Akawe Yamuk going to be the new giver of the season? Um, we could certainly start a count on that. <laughs> I'm stretching a bit. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully we'll learn how to pronounce it in the first episode, at least. And if it ends up being the rallying cry that we all get behind, we can revisit and maybe do a count. But regardless, this is a Cree phrase that encourages one to reach deep within and exert oneself. So I have a feeling that, you know, they mentioned it in their in their videos that they had online, their short videos. So it's something we're going to hear about. Now, I don't think it's going to be like Giver or I don't even know. I, can't, I won't even relate it to the kiss count. but um. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't see anything jumping out at me from 
anybody in this cast that makes me feel like we should be tracking it and keeping a running tally. So we might have to come up with some other terms uh, if we're doing a charity bet this year. Yeah, maybe after after the first episode, it'll jump out. And of course, after the episode two, we welcome any suggestions from listeners to um, if something seems to, to work out. Yeah. And also, if you are a contestant on this season of Amazing Race Canada and you would like to help us find some kind of prop bet that we can use to guide us through the season. And if you even want to dictate the terms of that bet to us, we would be happy to oblige. Um, Last year, I thought it was really funny when Adam and Courtney got involved in our Kiss Count bet and had us raising money for Canadian charities. So I would be very happy to make a charitable contribution to the Canadian cause of any Amazing Race Canada contestant's choice. Um, Just get at me and let me know what you want me to do. Definitely. It would be it would be a lot of fun. That really made last season, which was a great season, even more enjoyable to talk about. Yes. All right. You have another pick then. I, I have another pick. OK, so let me look at what who is left on the board. Um. OK, this and again, we're kind of getting down to last year. I think we said the same thing. We had buckets of teams. We had people that we thought were going to do really well. We had people that were pretty sure are going to be in the middle of the pack and then people we didn't think really had a shot at all. Um, and so I'm going to start dipping into that second tier here um, with this next pick. And I'm just going to go based on based on just a hunch and some demographics and what I saw of a video. Um, I'm going to take. Arthi and Tanesh off the board for my next pick. Um, This is a young dating couple from Vancouver. They seem like they are really personable. They're They've been together for three years. They're they're funny. They're intelligent. They seem physically very strong and they seem like a good balance for each other. And I think that's basically all I'm going on here. Yeah, they were going to be my next pick. So I think that was a good choice. I again, I think you just kind of get a good vibe from certain teams and they do seem to be could be wrong but seem to be fans of the show and know it better at least from the little bits that i saw of them watching some videos but they also like i mentioned they're 25 and 28 they're a dating couple they seem to have a good attitude about the show i think a lot of it just comes from the video and kind of as long as they don't have to swim I think they're going to be good because that apparently is a big problem for both of them. But to me, they they are a team that could definitely hang around for a while. Yeah, this isn't going to be one of those situations like season three where everybody was afraid of the water. I think we're going to do better than that. I hope not. No penalties. Yeah, yeah I mean, first team to take a penalty. I'm going to like boot you off and let you be on Dan's team. <laughs> I am the team of penalties, apparently. Um, they did mention that she's more kind of the type A and he's type B. I mean, that's a very basic type of summary, but they did mention that where it seems like he's more laid back. Even, you know, they talked about what they would do if they ruled the world. Yes, this is in the bio. On the first day, she would feed everyone, but he'd probably just take it easy and chill. So you kind of get the idea of how their relationship works. But um, yeah, and the theme of second chances apparently is that the two of them at first didn't really like each other very much. And then they started liking each other and now and then they started going out. So that that's the um, the through line. I have not mentioned much of the second chances theme with this team. That is kind of a flimsy hook to hang this whole thing on, I will say. But I think they seem like a the type of team also that goes very far. Dan, you mentioned earlier that there's kind of a sweet spot age wise where the teams that are like 20 and 21, they haven't had enough life experience to really like apply the youth and strength and vigor but 
when you get to your like mid to late 20s, you are both strong and you have a little bit of life experience and maturity that makes for a very good combination, especially I think on Amazing Race Canada. So this is a good this is a good pick, I think, on that front as well. Yeah. And I also find that we, we've talked about a little bit about the cast having a nice, diverse cast. And there's a lot of also several immigrant stories where I know his parents were refugees from Sri Lanka. So it's just I always like to see that on this show where especially with every cast, we I think we say this every year, but there's just a, a really wide variety of cultures and backgrounds and especially the focus on immigrants, which, you know, here in the U.S., though, how that's going. So it's just really nice to see what the Amazing Race Canada and kind of what the cast, how the cast is put together and, and just they, this seems like a fun team that also is going to. I think be competitive and do well. Well, great. All right, Dan, you're up. Oh boy. I was like getting to, you know, I always get to this point at this, this is the part of the draft when I lose it right here every <laughs> time, because there's a point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this team. I want to pick. And then they get taken in front of me and then I go, um, okay. But I have to stick with kind of how I set this up and how I kind of had my tears going. And there is there are a few teams from that middle tier that are still remaining. So I feel like I shouldn't jump ship and grab someone that I didn't think was going to do that well. Because there's a few that I'm just not sure about. This team, oh, also one other thing I want to mention about Artie and Tanesh, they are one of two teams that have the exact same phrase in their bio. They are known for epic arguments. That exact phrase is in two different teams' oh, bios. Oh, yeah. So, okay. The team I'm going to pick... From what I can tell, this does not surprise me at all. Artie and Tanesh a little more, it surprises me after seeing their video. This is one of these teams where you look at it and you can look at it in totally different ways. You can say, okay, I'm picking Dave and Arena. You look at this in two different ways. You have Dave. He is a professional fighter. He has traveled all over the world. You think that could be really good. This could be something these really athletic. And you have Arena who also seems to be in decent shape. She was a model. She was a blogger slash journalist. But then I, I look at them at first and I say, that's a, a high pick. That's a good pick. And now I kind of go, oh, this team's going to argue. I think they're going to be a little overwhelmed by some of this. They're going to be big TV. They're going to be very dramatic. I just don't know how well they're going to do. And I know I'm kind of picking a team and then kind of backtracking, but I do see enough there where I think this could be a situation where they kind of bumble around a lot, but they hang or hang out because there will be some tasks where you have to climb up a pole or there'll be a task where, you know, whether it's a face off or whatnot, where physical skills will come into play and they may have their epic arguments they are known for but they will kind of power through and could surprise us a bit. So that's kind of where I'm falling on Dave and Arena. This, how do you feel about them? Yeah, I think I would have been higher on this team um, had we not already seen a professional fighter and his model girlfriend on this program flame out spectacularly in the very first leg, because I think I went in to... Max and Elias saying, this is, yes. this is our arguing team. These are going to be our villains. They're going to go super far. It was the worst call I've ever made to date about any season of The Amazing Race. And I think maybe I'm gun shy now when I see that type of team because I, I feel like these guys have Max and Elias downside. Uh, they are, they're very intense. Like who, who shows up to the amazing race wearing camo for starters? <laughs> like, are they going to go like play the most dangerous game? Uh, 
that's that's a little scary. And I also I think I need to talk about the specific fighting that Dave does. Um, he is the world champion in uh, Burmese bare knuckle boxing, which has been noted in their bio as being the most brutal sport in the world. And okay, that's super badass. And obviously to be a professional athlete takes incredible dedication. He's probably in fantastic shape. He looks like he, he knows how to keep up with just about any physical thing you could throw at somebody. But what kind of personality do you have to have to specifically seek out and become competitive in the most brutal sport in the world. Like what kind of personality is drawn to that? And I speak as someone who trained as an amateur boxer for several years and everybody that goes into that is a little bit unhinged. And certainly it takes a lot of dedication and it takes a little bit of presence of mind and you have to be a strategic thinker, but you also, you got to be a little bit crazy to want someone to punch you in the face. And so that's something that gives me pause there. Um, and I also would never hit anybody without gloves on. Like what must his hands be like? Yikes. So there's that. And add to that, we have his spouse who says that they have epic arguments and the term epic arguments. I, I feel like one of these two teams is going to school the other one on on what exactly constitutes an epic argument, because I'm going to guess that maybe that term means something very different in these two households. Uh, but yeah, I, I really feel like they have a lot of upside. Uh, they are well-traveled. They're multilingual. They live in Dubai. But something tells me they're going to flame out early. Yeah, I actually thought about Max and Elias when I saw this team. And I was just like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> that, was, that was where both of us, I, I picked Data and Amanda. And I don't know, it wasn't exactly, but I think you picked Gino and Jesse. And those, those other two teams went out like really early and we were like, oh, this is rough. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Hopefully there won't be a sports center challenge for this team. But um, I don't know. I, I look at them. And even everything's a little off. And you bring up a really good point because if he's been, if he does all that bare knuckle boxing, I mean, he's a martial arts superstar. I don't know if he's done bare knuckle boxing the whole time. Maybe he's done other types. He's probably done a lot of different things. So I don't want to assume how many times he's been hit in the face and whatnot. And, and again, what the re the normal thing that happens is we'll start and like in episode four, you and I'll be like, they're the most fun team. They're so silly. This is what usually <laughs> happens. They have great one liners and puns. So so I could be wrong here, but, um, you know, their motto is win at all costs, which when you have a bare knuckle boxer, I go, oh. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Is their motto, if he dies, he dies? <laughs> Basically, you know, it's it's hard to say. It's like, I this is a kind of team that I feel like you pick at like six or seven out of 10, which, I you know, is kind of where I am because I feel like it could go any which way. And she does talk a lot. What gave me pause for her is talking about she really doesn't like to get out of her comfort zone and such. But she says that. And then they talk about how they currently, I mean, they've, traveled all over the place you know his career he's fought in myanmar where she went for a while they now live in dubai actually and so it's like they've been all over the place she obviously i mean what do you mean by comfort zone <laughs> that's yeah. like is it a, what does that mean <laughs> but so i don't know if i take too much in that either so it's yeah. i'm all over the map on this one again there, i think there's a lot of calibration that has to go on here like what does constitute an epic argument what does constitute a comfort zone and once we know where that bar is for them we'll have a better sense of how they're going to do on the race yeah i don't think they're going to win but it's funny because when i initially started to like place teams and like tiers i had them higher 
And then I just kept kind of moving them downward and moving them downward. And so there's some voice or some like sinking feeling, but yet I still felt like, you know, I don't know if technically they I would pick them six or seven, but I didn't feel like they were in the bottom tier. So I kind of thought this seemed like the right place to go. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a good pick right here. So who you got next? Oh, this is hard now. So this is so, you know what I was talking earlier about how I think siblings generally do well. Well, there's two teams of sisters. I think one of those teams is going to do well. I don't know which one it is. So I'm just going to take both of them. And one of my teams is going to do well here. So and this is the team I wasn't Megan and Marie. I wasn't as high on them doing well, but they are both twin, identical twin sisters. They are 25 years old. This team really embodies the theme of second chances and resilience that I was kind of talking about. In 2016, Marie broke her neck and maybe should have led to paralysis. And she fought her way back from that and is now mostly completely healed from that and is moving forward. They run a video production company together. They actually spent a ton of time together. They also lost their mom to cancer when they were 14. So they seem pretty resilient. I don't know how well they're going to do, but I feel like when you have siblings that know each other very well and that have gone through a lot, I think there's a good chance that this team could at least last for a little while. Yeah, I I hear you on that, Dan. Um, They seem like they've been through a lot. I don't think there's anything that the Amazing Race could throw at them that's going to be harder than what they've already been through. And they certainly, as siblings who run a business together, they're not going to have drama with each other. I think there's a high chance that they'll have some conflict with other teams, but they're also, they're so down to earth and they seem so like natively likable that I think, I think maybe the chance of that happening is not very high either. The one thing that I would be concerned about here is the thing that I think is always the concern when you have a set of twins as a team. And that is, I think they might end up just being too much alike. And, you know, they take great pains to say, you know, we are twins, but we're very, very different. But I think a lot of times they tend to overestimate how different they really are. And I think we could run into a thing where they have so many of the same strengths and weaknesses that when they hit one of their big weaknesses, it could be the thing that takes them down. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I think that... Another thing is, too, is that we this is one of the actual rare teams where someone says they're afraid of heights, which is Marie. And she's also afraid of breaking her neck again. But, you know, I don't think the race is going to hopefully not lead to that. But she's afraid I don't of want heights. to see John try that yeah. challenge. Yeah. But so, you know, another one, Megan's also afraid of eating bugs, which who knows, maybe this is just a setup in the thing. I just again, we're kind of looking at teams and I think, you know, they I want to root for this team, too. I look at them and they talk even about what they would do. And they're talking about wanting to make documentaries about female surfers and about women in male dominated industries. And I think, you know, like kind of you talked about earlier, there is a point when of picking a team in a very arbitrary draft that you don't know much about that. Let's pick a team that um, is not against any of the three teams remaining that I don't want to root for them. But in this particular case, I just looked at them and I'm like, you know, I'd like to see what they can do. And then we can kind of go from there. But it's also, I should mention they're identical twins and they're also, they've both, they're both queer. So I think, again, we talked about diversities in the cast. I think there's another team that I think has a different relationship and it's great that the show 
is not having just like one team that falls into that category. There's a lot of different types of teams. And I think it's another factor in making them an interesting team and the diversity of the cast. Yeah, I think the the show's done a tremendous job, I think, of creating a really diverse cast, like not just in terms of uh, cultural diversity and ethnic diversity and um, gender and sexuality, but I think there's a wide range of personalities here as well. And so I think I think there's there's someone in this cast for everybody. And everybody has, given the course, I think almost everybody has a chance of doing very, very well. Even as much as we say, we immediately sorted them into buckets based on first sight and our previous experience with the show. So I think I think anything could happen. I think that they have a lot going for them. And I think they've got a real shot uh, at going far. So it's a good pick. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so my next pick, I guess, uh, I'm going to look at we've got left on the board. I, one thing I do note about this cast is we have a lot of female, female teams, and that's kind of fun. Uh, I think the winners to date, uh, Steph and Kristen being the obvious exceptions, it's been such a sausage party in the winner's circle on Amazing Race Canada. And of Courtney, of course, uh, being half of the first like, hetero couple to win Amazing Race Canada. But Everybody else that has won this show has been a dude. And so I think the show is starting to compensate for that by casting teams of women that can really hang. And I think this next team could uh, come through and surprise us. So I'm going to go with uh, former basketball teammates, Nikki and Aisha with my next choice. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I Even as I was picking um, Megan and Marie, I was kind of looking at it going, should I, should I pick Nikki and Aisha? Because I really think that they they're pretty strong and I think could do really well. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot going for them here. They are athletic. Uh, they, uh, they were at least high school athletes, but I think it is worth noting that um, Nikki has become a personal trainer and personal trainers are no joke. She's got to stay in good shape for that. And I feel like there's a lot of balance here. I think we have, um, we have people that are really motivated. They are self-starters. Um, and Aisha is an entrepreneur and the two of them, they come from similar backgrounds, but they have, they appear to have very different personalities. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of balance here in this team. And I think if they are able to communicate effectively and they're able to find the things that play to their particular strengths, I think they have a lot of potential. Yeah, and they're both 31 years old, and they met when they were 16. So this is not a case where you have two people that that met two years ago at work or something. They've known each other for a long time. You can tell that they enjoy being together just based on the videos that I've seen. I mean, Aisha tells us she's hilarious, so you know I'm going to believe that. So this is going to be fun. Um, Also, as long as Nikki doesn't have to do any tasks involving small spaces. She's very specific. She talks about a task with something over her head, um, a tunnel or a box. What what exactly? Dan, can you help (laughs) me figure out what things over my head means? I think she's referring to the task with um, where they were put in that container where basically and put all the bugs by their face. To me, almost besides tunnels, I feel like Pretty much all of that. Remember when then their partner mm-hmm. had to do something from two seasons ago? Yep. That one, um, that was one where, to me, that they actually even showed them part of that, I think, in the video. Some of the teams, things over my head, and maybe you could call that a box. I don't know. But that's the only thing I think of. Or I could think of something where they have to, 
And they really don't do tasks where they have to crawl through really, really small spaces very often. No, they don't. But maybe they're saving that for this season because I think we had a couple of people say that they had a problem with the dark or small spaces. Uh So it could be one of those things like they put everybody that was afraid of water on one season and then made them all kayak. Yeah, the one season they had like six people afraid of snakes, and I still feel like that was a missed opportunity. But um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a task where they have to get in a box, then somehow roll into a tunnel where there are birds involved in the dark, and then at the end, eat bugs. Well, wouldn't birds count as things over your head? True. See, I was picturing it more like over my head, like a wall or like some sort of covering, but... Or like a chandelier? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a task with a chandelier. Regardless of what it is, it's over your head. That's bad. I don't know. Um, And the one I was thinking of that I I probably didn't describe as well was the Karen and Bert challenge where where, where basically Bert was in there for so long and Karen could not get the one right. And it was really hard to watch. And I hate to say for sure, but that's the task to me that thinks of things over my head. It was kind of on their head. And then There's no tunnel, like I said. But beyond that, I'm sure one of our listeners can correct us, but it's just so specific. You know, it's a very, very specific fear. But the good thing is, unlike something like heights or swimming, I think the odds are much lower that that Nikki will have to face this fear. Yeah, let's hope not. Or it could be one of those situations where the production team is looking at this list of fears and they're like, oh my God, we've got the perfect challenge for these people. And they're just like, how did we look into somebody who is afraid of things over her head? Because we have the greatest things over your head (laughs) challenge ever. And maybe that moment is coming for us. You never know. I don't know if it's something where things are dropping on you. (laughs) I don't know. They're recreating some sort of battle i don't they've done things like that but not with stuff dropping on your heads but you know who knows one thing to note nikki is going to be the driver but she only can drive automatic oh these people don't watch the amazing race (laughs) again i maybe aisha can also drive and we didn't get that in the two minute video but just something to note yeah and that's the one thing and you know and i know we we mentioned this with other teams too i have no idea I'm judging this based on two or three minutes of video. When they were watching those videos, this I didn't get the sense that they, even from their answers, that they really know the show that well. But that's kind of the case with like six teams. So I don't want to pick on them at all. But even just the automatic thing makes me go, hmm. But again, if the love, it's a level playing field and everyone's new, then maybe it won't be a thing. But that's the only thing that gave me a little bit of pause. I didn't get a sense from the interviews of that side of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really hard to tell. And again, we don't have a lot we're working with here. We we watched almost everything that was available to us. And I even did some deeper digging on these people. And we really we're kind of flying blind here. So I'm going to be excited to get the premiere and start to really get to know these people. Yeah, but I do think, especially for this point and when we're picking, that they have an upside of possibly even more than some of the other picks we've made. I mean, they could go out early. But I think the range of possibilities is this is one of those teams that could be eighth or they could be in the finals. You just you, I feel like more than even some of the others. Yeah. 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 I couldn't I couldn't tell you where I think they'll place. So I I kind of like that for my team. Yeah. All right. Well, we are down to two teams remain. Who are you going to choose? All right. Well, this is this is a tough choice. I think both of these teams have more upside than their placement in our draft would have you believe. But I'm going to go with I'm always a sucker for unusual relationships on this show. Like throw me some cousins and I'm 
pretty excited about that. Um, so I'm going to go with the grandfather and grandson. Um, give me Gilles and Sean. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch these guys. I actually hope they do really well because they have a really interesting relationship. So, and they just seem like really interesting people. Yeah, they they definitely. I <laughs> this might be the team I most want to have a beer with. Yeah, I mean, especially Jill. He's, you know, such an interesting. His description of him is so interesting. I mean, he's you know been a seven year meditator. He's also a canoe instructor. At one point, he was quite a daredevil. You know, he seems like. The, you know, we talk about sometimes you have kind of the more stable partner or more straightforward person and not to take anything away from, from Sean, but he definitely seems to be the one who's kind of the, the more, the sillier one or whatnot. I mean, in 65 years, it sounds like he's really lived a lot. He seems kind of whimsical. Um, and he's going to be one of these people that has like, remember Ron and Christina from season 12 of Amazing Race US? And remember how Ron, every single time they hit a task, Ron had done that task for a job at some point during his life. <laughs> yes. I feel like we might be seeing that here. Yeah, they're really fun. I'm glad this team got cast. And I, and I should also mention that Sean also has a black belt, which I think play a second degree black belt to be specific, plays to their motto, which is apply Kung Fu liberally as needed. That's certainly a choice. Um, I mean, martial yeah. arts have a lot of, um, there's a lot of applications to real life. I, I think practicing martial art helps you keep a clear head. I think it teaches you discipline, um, teaches you control. I think these are all things that are going to be helpful to them. Um, they both definitely seem like people that grab life with both hands and I think for being 65, Gilles looks like he's in amazing shape and Sean also looks like he's in amazing shape. So I think this is a team that I could see going a lot farther than um, you would expect a team that we drafted second to last to go. Yeah, well, I think that's what I was struggling with. I feel like there were a few teams at the top and then there was like six or seven teams that I felt like all had positives and negatives. I mean, the obvious challenge here is that the Gilles is 65. However, that's only one factor. And these two also seem to have a really close relationship. This isn't a case where you have a grandfather and grandson who just one of them really wants to go on the show and they're like, oh, this will work. The story is, is that um, Sean's father didn't really grow up with a father. So Jill's daughter was only 16 when she had Sean. So then he basically functioned as, you know, the surrogate father figure for him. So from what I can gather, they basically have a really close relationship despite being 45 years apart in age. And that should make for good TV and make it fun, but it should also help them on the show. I just had the depressing realization that um, Sean's mother is younger than we are. <laughs> so uh, not that close for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this this 20 year old uh, large buff man could have been my son if I'd made different life choices. And now I feel old. Um, but 65, not that old. Um, am I crazy? I, I feel like um, we've had a lot of people around that age on Amazing Race US. And while this is the oldest contestant in Amazing Race Canada history, that's not one foot in the grave. And if you're in good shape, you can hang. Yeah, and of course, we have a grandfather and grandson, Nicholas and Donald, who went to the final three in their season. And, you know, I don't remember the exact ages, but it was kind of a similar spread. He was 72, I think. I think they were 72 and 24. 
Wow. So an even larger spread. So you then use that as an example right there where they had a, and they made a lot of it look really easy. I mean, there were stretches where they just kept finishing in the top, however many. So it wasn't like they kind of just stumbled into the end. So, you know, you could see a team doing this. I think the key here is just um, to me, this is one of those teams that early on you can easily spotlight and say, oh, they're going up first because he's older. But if they're around for a few legs and really kind of get rolling, they could easily last a lot longer. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I would not be surprised to see them make it like the top five, top four. Um, I mean, sky's the limit. We could see them in the finals. Stranger things have happened. I feel like we are just predicting that all 10 teams are going to be in the finals. It's just <laughs> they're all going to be there. Hey, if good. they're all in the finals, they're all out first, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, we're not really drafting this to. I mean, yeah, we can, you know, I can be ribbed for being really bad. I'm sure I won't do well again, but it's basically just like you said, a way to kind of talk through these teams and to somehow figure out where we think they likely will finish. And I think that's the case with this team and with the final team where I don't really know. I've seen this show. I've seen so many seasons, you know, 40 ish seasons of the amazing race and so fast. And you've seen more than that and still don't know much. Yeah, it, it's true. I am always capable of being surprised. Yeah. So do are we ready to move on to our final team? I, I think we can move on to our final team. Okay. Our final team is Trish and Amy, who also have very interesting stories. They are Trish is 40. Amy is 50. They are both moms. They're stay-at-home moms who gave up corporate careers to raise their families. But that Beyond that, there is a lot more to it. Amy has grew up with severe hearing loss. She raised a family of seven kids, children and stepchildren, three of them having disabilities. Amy is also representing, and I hate to just be reading their bio, but there's some impressive stuff here. She also is representing Canada at the World Triathlon Grand Final Championships in Switzerland. And also Trish um, really got herself into shape and lost over 100 pounds. And so you look at the two of them and they both kind of fit with that. And I haven't brought up too much that kind of second chance idea. I mean, I don't know. I hate to say second chance. That's a bit weird. But resiliency or overcoming obstacles or whatever you want to call it. And so while I did have them kind of at near the bottom, they still I mean, they both seem to be in good shape. They both seem to have a good relationship. They've gone through a lot. I just. I don't know. For me, sometimes when you have moms and not just moms, but there's a certain type of team on the race that often goes out early. And I hate to say it, Trish and Amy in certain ways fit into that mold, but I could easily see them surprising us. Yeah, Dan, you're not wrong there. And I think we can tiptoe around it all we want. But just looking on sheer demographics alone, I would put this team at the bottom. And I hate that because I'm in that demographic. Like if I go on this show with my best friend, that's the role we're in. Like I'm the old mom now and I should be cheering for the old moms. And I always am cheering for the old moms. And I'm repping the old moms here in Rob has a podcast land. But I feel like we have seen this team flame out spectacularly so many times. It's really hard to put them up near the top of the draft. And I feel like this is a team that's inspirational and I want to see them surprise us at this, but I also know that the odds are not in their favor. Yeah, I know. That's kind of the thing. I hate to say it when, you know, you see a team like this and you and I just write them in at the bottom, but Again, it, again, it goes back to history. And I know I say, I hate to say it, but I say, oh, this is the older team. 
where Trish is younger than I am. So it's like, you know, I shouldn't say this, like several years younger than me. So it's like, this is totally in the demographic that I'm in, but it's just, so I'm only doing this on the amazing race from this cast and with how they cast. That's how we have to do it because, you know, you just, you got to kind of go, it's unfortunate, but you, you just hope that basically they'll surprise us and they could because, you know, I mean, they're far from, the like if I think back to all the seasons and doing previews and such, they are far from the team that I would say has the least chance of lasting. I mean, they definitely could do okay. It's just um I don't know. It's it's could be a big hurdle. You know, I mean, in terms of fears, it's pretty you know, Trish is afraid of large insects, so there's a big bug theme going on this season. Um Amy Extreme Heights, which we seen pretty often. Um beyond that, I mean, there's not much their, their story is really interesting, but I can't pull a lot from their bio beyond that, beyond the fact that I know they are in good shape doing triathlons and everything else. But it's hard to say how, I mean, what's going to totally happen beyond what we sort of expect. Yeah. And I always want a team to surprise me. And I think I, I'm thinking back to like Frankie and Amy, for example, our team where we looked at them and we're like, OK, last team drafted. They're going to be the first ones out in what universe are they going to last longer than that? And then they make it all the way to the final five and they're fantastic television. And we were really excited to see them. And Canada almost voted them back onto the show. So. There's always a Frankie and Amy team waiting in the wings to surprise us. And this could be that team. There's even an Amy on this team. So <laughs> I I wouldn't count them out by any stretch. And they're certainly, I think they certainly have it in them to compete. But I also, I've, I've also seen this team not do well a lot of times. So I think that's kind of our hesitation putting them at the bottom. And it's probably also some internalized sexism on both of our parts. But, you know, I, I'm rooting for them. I want them to do well. And I I hope they do. I, I think it's interesting uh, on Reality Fan Forum as they were trying to identify the teams while they were out racing. Uh, people thought for a very long time that this was a mother and daughter team um, because Trish just looks that good. So I I think that's interesting, uh, and I think that might be that might be something to watch out for. Like she could be just in that great of shape. Yeah, I mean, because they're both triathletes, and she does appear to be in great shape. So um, it's it's going to be interesting to watch, and it does it does yeah. You brought this up a minute ago that we we are I'm looking at this. We do have you know four all female teams this season. So I think I think there's a good chance that I don't know if it'll be like the season was where Steph and Kristen won, but it could be. We could be in a situation where several of them, hopefully for my team, um, since I have three of them, will um, will end up doing well and making it towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, while we do not have a Steph and Kristen type team in this in this bunch, I think I don't see us watching the first four episodes and watching uh, all of the female teams dropping one, two, three, four. I don't think that's going to happen either. No, I don't think so either. I think it's it's going to be all over the map like a lot. And I think this cast, yes, there are a few teams that stand out near the top. But I just have a sense this is going to be, I may have said this last year, so, but at least this time is going to be unpredictable. I really think that this could go so many different directions and they've done a good job casting a lot of teams that all seem about the same in ability, which makes it hard for us to preview, but can make for a really good season. Yeah, it's a level playing field, I think, 
out of the gate. And so I'm really going to be very excited to see what happens. And I can't believe it's already upon us. And I think I guess I'm, I'm extra glad that CBS made the call to move their U.S. Amazing Race up an entire month because I cannot imagine what I would be going through right now if I was still in the middle of Amazing Race 31 Madness and also trying to cover this. That's a lot of Amazing Race on my plate. Yeah, I can't imagine because even, you know, doing trying to cover this one show is is challenging. I mean, in a good way. It's a lot of fun. But um, to do two in a row, like day two days in a row, that would that would be a lot to do. So um, one other thing I noticed, speaking just of other teams that have been on the show in the past, did you notice that there is a streaming show that is going to be on like CTV's website this summer? Um, no, tell me more about this, Dan. Well, it's called Tastes of... There's actually two, but one of them is called Tastes of the Race. And it stars Phil and Martina, who are going to be creating dishes inspired by the season's locations. Oh, my God. I I am all up on that. Dan, let's not even cover Amazing Race Canada. Let's cover (laughs) that instead. That was my trump card for the end. Do you think we need to do a separate podcast every week just about Phil and Martina's streaming series? (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like we're going to have to at least be talking about it. So get that on your plate too. Um, fire up your VPN because we're going to be needing to watch that. There's also a second streaming series, which apparently is about the physicality and science behind various challenges. I don't believe it's going to include any teams. And the thing is, both of these are connected to various sponsors of the show. The one with Phil Martina is Dempsters is involved with coming back again. And I think Weber Naturals, which is a new sponsor, is involved with the other one. So these are connected to sponsors and everything. So who knows what those are going to be like. But just something interesting, um, if you're able to get access to CTV's videos that you might be able to see. Yep. We're going to fly to Canada every week so that we can continue covering all of the amazing things happening in the Amazing Race Canada universe. Yes. All right. So is there anything else we want to note about the season before we start to wrap things up, Dan? No, I'm really interested to see where it's going to go. There's, I should note, there are also a lot of new sponsors this season. So get ready for some exciting sponsorship challenges, including Walt Disney Studios and even the Dairy Farmers of Ontario. So you know where that's going to go. So get ready for a lot of other sponsors. I'm not going to list them all, but, and of course, Chevy. So we're going to enjoy that again. Uh, woohoo, livestock. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. I'm excited to watch all these teams. And I can't believe it's already coming next week. So Amazing Race Canada premieres on Tuesday, July 2nd on CTV. And check your local listings for exact times and channels. And if you are not in Canada and for some reason would like to be following this series, the best piece of advice I can give you is that you should become a patron of Rob has a website and that gives you access to our patron only Facebook group where a lot of people have been sharing their tips and links and ways to watch the series and we tend to not want to share a lot of that on our own social media because some of it is not totally within the law um, but within the Facebook group I think people are a little more forthcoming with that kind of thing and also if I responded to every individual person who tweeted at me how do I watch Amazing Race Canada when I'm not in Canada. That would be my full-time job. I wouldn't have time to do my actual job, let alone podcast about this series. So appreciate your willingness to work with me on that front. Um, 
Dan, let's talk about some of the other stuff you have going on in the world of podcasts, because I have to tell you, I am a big fan of the other podcasts that you're working on right now. Oh, yeah. So this is totally separate from the reality TV and Rob as a podcast universe. But I do host, if you are interested in theme parks and like Disneyland, Disney World, Universal, all that, I do host a podcast called the Tomorrow Society Podcast, which is an interview show where I talk with people that have worked behind the scenes, Imagineers, authors, filmmakers, other podcasters, just kind of straight long form interviews about either their past, sometimes about what's happening now. It's just a fun way for me. I've been a fan of parks and everything that's going on since I was a kid. So yeah, I've been doing it for a few years now and it's every other week and you can learn more at tomorrowsociety.com. Yes, it's it's a fantastic list and I really highly recommend that. And as for me, I have a few things coming up in the world of podcasting and entertainment media. Um, I We have some deep dives coming from Amazing Race US alums. Uh, now that the season has wrapped, uh, they are a little more free to talk to Rob and Mike and myself about their experiences. So we're going to be recording the first one of those next week. And we have a few coming down the pike. I'm still kind of working out the details with a lot of the racers, but we hope to have several of those for you. And uh, I'm also doing some writing over at primetimer.com. If you click on features, you can find a couple of the pieces I've written. Most recently, I covered um, an episode of the show Pen15 um, and made the case for why it deserves an Emmy for outstanding writing in a comedy series. And I also wrote a little rundown of six of the best uh, sci-fi and fantasy shows that are coming out on Netflix this month. Um, that's a great read and I hope you guys will all go over and check it out. Um, you can find us here on Rob's website under the Reality Rehap Ups feed. I think we're also going to be dropping in the Amazing Race feed if you're subscribed to that. Um, we're going to try to be recording these on Thursday or Friday night to have them in your feed for the weekend. Uh, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a crunch sometimes for us to get access to the episode in time to get a good episode recorded for you, but we'll be doing our best on that front. Um, then hopefully as the season progresses, we'll have a little more regular schedule. So Dan, where can people find you in the social media world? You can follow me on Twitter at the Dan Heaton. You can follow me on Twitter at Haymaker Hattie. We love hearing your feedback and questions for the next episode. Once you've finished watching the episode, don't worry about spoiling us. Just tweet your questions to us and we will gather them and answer them on the podcast. Uh, we want to thank Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. We want to thank Rob for letting us do this again. I want to thank Dan for hanging out with me for our fifth season in a row. It's been really great. And we are looking forward to everything that's coming up on the season. So we'll see you next week for episode one. 